Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. As we continue on this series and to kind of go along with today, uh, we're doing this series called Unshakable Faith. And this is our third week of this series. It's our summer sermon series where it's going to take us all summer long. And what we're discovering is we're discovering what is it, the how-tos of how to live Christian faith. Uh, what is James? Uh, who is James? Who is he writing to? Why did he write this letter? And that's really what this is. James is actually a letter. It's the 22nd letter written in the New Testament uh, by this man named James. Who was he? James was the half-brother of Jesus. Same mom, uh, different dad. Of course, Joseph was his father and God was Jesus' father. So this was, this was the guy that ran with Jesus Watch Jesus grow up. Watch how to live out the life that Jesus was living out for him. So he saw everything that was going on in the life of Jesus. And so what James did, or his intention was, was to help Christians live out their faith in a practical way. He is teaching them, hey, listen, if you're a Christ follower, you should look this way. You're saved by grace, but your works are a result of your faith in Jesus Christ. And so he says, these are the guidelines in which you live as a Christ follower. So he tells people, he tells Christians, early Christians, Jewish Christians, this is how you live as a Christian. He also says, hey, listen, be courageous in your faith. Stand against the culture. Stand against the tide. Because guess what? This is what Christ did. Christ stood against culture. And then lastly, he says, when you have trials and when you have persecutions and when you are going through struggles, persevere in your faith and know that Christ is going to help you carry through. So this is the kind of the summation of what James, the book of James, is all about. Last week, we learned about how to persevere whenever trials get hard in life. And I challenge you with, uh, with the thought of, listen, first off, pray to God, ask God to help you, and then trust He's going to show up and bring you through. Today, I want to talk about the practical how-tos of how do we make up our minds? How do we make up our minds when a decision needs to be made? Uh, so many times in life, decisions come our way, and we get struggle with what we're going to decide. Uh, how many of you guys would just be honest and admit today that sometimes you have a hard time, you can be a bit indecisive, Anybody can be a bit indecisive, raise your hands. I'll wait for you to, a lot more than here. There you go. Now we're getting it. Now we're getting it. You're indecisive about raising your hands. Uh -huh. Well, I don't know. I could be. I don't know. I don't know. Um, decisions, I've said this many times, decisions that we make are the decisions that make us in the future. The decisions that we make today determine who we will be tomorrow. A man went into a psychiatrist, and he said, Doc, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. And he said, well, I noticed that, do you think that you have a hard time making decisions? And the, 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 the patient says, well, yes and no. <laughs> he said, Doc, doctor said, well, wouldn't that mean you're indecisive? He says, well, when you first asked the question, I thought I knew, and then I changed my mind. Again, this is indecision. This is indecisiveness that comes into all of our lives. And today... James is going to talk about the practical steps on how 
to make a decision. Maybe some of you today have to make a decision. Maybe uh, there's a decision that you make today or tomorrow or with your job or with your family or with a relationship, and you have to make a decision. And this is the struggle. So many times, those decisions make us who we are. A young salesperson went with a, a more uh, 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 seasoned salesperson, and he said, hey, what's it take to get success in sales? He said, is it experience? Is it, is it the right leads? What is it? And the experienced seasoned salesman says, it's failure. Failure is your greatest tool that will help you succeed in business. And I dare say failure, for many of us, that's what's taught us how to make better decisions. Uh, either you stay in a relationship too long and you should have got out of, or maybe you allowed a situation to go on longer than what it should have. Maybe you stayed at a job that you shouldn't have, or maybe you left a job that you shouldn't have. It can go either way. Our decisions really do determine what we become or what we look like in the future. So the question is today, how do we make up our minds? How do we make decisions? Well, open your Bibles today. Open your Bibles to James chapter 1, verse 5 through 11. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 11. We're going to read quite a few verses here because this is going to kind of lead us where we're going to go in our lesson today as I speak. Just follow along with me. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, what should we do? We should what? We should what? We should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will what? It will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and what? Not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. It goes on to say, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is, say this with me, such a person is double-minded. And what? Unstable in all they do. So a person who's indecisive, a person who can't make a decision, is double-minded, unstable in all they do. It goes on to say, believers in humble circumstances ought, uh, to, ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like the, like the wildflower. Now, this is not saying that... Uh, Shame on you for having wealth or being rich. It's saying, don't let your wealth and your riches determine your status in life because it can be gone tomorrow. Your wealth means nothing, especially in our world today. Go put gas in your car, it's gone, right? So it goes on to say, uh, like, uh, for the sun rises and scorches in the heat and withers the plants, it blossom, uh, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away while you, they go about their business. Father, help us today uh, to hear from your word. Help us understand that, God, there is a, a stable place you want us to have, uh, a place that you want us to make decisions. And when we make those decisions, uh, Lord, may we stand steady knowing that they're from you. Uh, God, let us not be double-minded. Let us not be unstable in all we say and do. Let us find comfort and security knowing your wisdom will guide our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you three things today to think about whenever I think about how to make up our minds. Uh, three things I see. I see there's a problem, there's a prescription that James talks about here, 
And then finally, there's a promise. There is a, there's a, a promise that he's going to bring to you. So let's start first off. What's the problem? The problem very simply is indecision. Turn to your neighbor and say indecision. Indecision is the problem. Uh, verse 8, a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. A double-minded man, a double-minded woman is unstable in all they do. You know who they are. You might be one of these. That you can't make a decision to save your life. You're always vacillating between yes and no. Never really secure in your decisions of making yes be yes or no be no. That word double-minded, it literally means two-souled. It means literally you have two souls that are pulling apart instead of drawing towards. So if it's two souls, that means we must understand there has to be a solution. See, a double-minded person, think about this. Think about the people in your life. Who do you know that's double-minded? They're unstable. They're great one minute, the next minute there's somebody different. It's almost like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of effect. They can't make a decision to save their life, and when they make the decision, they question it. These are the people that go to McDonald's, have been to McDonald's a million times in their life, and they sit there and go, what do I want? Do I want chicken? Do I want a burger? And then when they make a decision, should have got the chicken, should have got the burger, right? You know who these people are. These are unstable people. They're, it, it, if you're unstable, if you have indecisiveness in your life, let me tell you something. It's devastating. It's debilitating. It'll, it'll paralyze you, and it will cause instability to go throughout your life. So three things that, three ways that indecision makes us unstable. Three ways it makes us unstable. First off, it makes you unstable in your emotions. If you're a double-minded person, if we're double-minded, we're unstable in our emotions. You're, you, here's the results. Stress, crying, anger fits, frustration, uh, short with people. These are the people that are double-minded. They never make a solid decision and stand on it. This is the problem. And I always had this saying. Someone said this to me years ago. We were talking about where we were going to eat. It was after church, actually, one day. We were talking about where we were going to go, to go eat. It was uh, about three or four couples. And we're all standing around. We're talking about where to go to eat. And you guys know in Keokuk, there's not a whole lot of choices to make, right? It isn't like you've got a major city decision. You've got to make it. You've got Keokuk decision. And so we're going down the list. We're going down the list. And one of the gentlemen in the group said, listen, just make a decision. I would rather live with the wrong decision than indecision. And that reverberated in my heart because that's the truth. God would rather mess, make a wrong decision than to make no decision at all. And, in, and if you don't make decisions, you become emotionally unstable, and people don't trust you, and people won't go with you because you're vacillating back and forth, can't make up your mind. So an unstable or a double-minded person causes unstable emotions. It also causes unstable relationships. People don't know if you're in or out. People don't know if you're committed or not. People don't know if you love them or hate them. They really don't know. Uh, unstable relationships, parents, parents that won't make decisions because they're worried about what their kids will think about them causes their kids to actually have instability in their hearts because the kids do not trust their parents' lead. So many times parents will not say yes or no. They say maybe or I'll talk to me later. Instead, 
Let your yes be yes and your no be no. It, it causes instability in your relationships if you're not secure about the decisions you make. If you say to your kids, church is a priority, and you make that known, church is a priority, you do not vacillate, you do not compromise, that is the standard in which they live, they will rise up to that. Will they fight you? Sure they will, but they will still know that that is the standard that needs to be done. Unstable in emotions, unstable in relationships. We must understand that not only does it cause those two things, but also causes unstable spiritual life. Verse 7 says this, that person will, uh, will not think that they will receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because they ask, but then they doubt. They're unstable in a spiritual life. They pray, oh, Father, I pray that you will help this situation. And then when they walk away, they doubt that he's going to do anything about it. See, a double-minded person is unstable in their emotions, unstable in their relationships, unstable in their spiritual life. So many times people ask me, why didn't God answer my prayers? I prayed for this or I prayed for that. Why didn't God answer my prayers? And I often will say to them, were you specific or were you indecisive? Did you pray for God's will to be done or did you want your will to be done? Maybe that wasn't God's will for your life. Because we have to understand that sometimes our double-mindedness leads us to unstable emotions, unstable relationships, and unstable spiritual life. So what do we need? That's the problem. Here's the prescription. The prescription is three things. I want to give this to you. Three things that we are to do as we walk out with God. Three practical steps. Number one, admit your need for leadership from God. Admit that you have a need in your life to have God do that. It says, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom, just real quick question. How many guys need wisdom in here today? Raise your hands if you need wisdom here. I find it interesting that James uses this terminology, if any, when James knows we all do. It's almost like a, hey, listen, if any of you need, if any of you need it. And he's like, he's almost being a little bit sarcastic, I feel, in his approach. But nonetheless, he's saying, if you need wisdom, you ask God for that wisdom. And you believe and don't doubt. Knowledge is acquired information. Wisdom is divine from God. Knowledge you learn over life. Wisdom is something that comes just out of the blue. You don't even know where it comes from, and it just hits you, and you know, no, you know what? I'm not going to that party. No, I'm not going to hang out with them because something tells me that's not a good relationship that I should have. Wisdom is that thing that comes up inside of you, even though everything looks okay on the outside. Something, something inside of you says, whoa, 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 don't go. Don't do it. Don't be there. That's wisdom. That's, that's the Holy Spirit saying, listen, you ask for wisdom, I'm going to give it to you. You ask for wisdom about uh, a situation, a major situation. Let's say a, buying a car or buying a house or, or, or fixing up your house or fixing up your car. And so you want wisdom from God. You want wisdom from So you pray about it and you ask God and he leads you through the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. That's the wisdom of God. And I find that is in short supply in our world today. Not a lot of wisdom being put out in our world today. In fact, there's a lot of ignorance. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of darkness. A lot of perversion that's not of God. 
Are you all hearing me today? You're awful quiet today. You hearing me? It's not our world today. And it starts here at the church. We must first admit we need the wisdom of God. We should ask for wisdom. Admit that you need it and that you lack it, and he will give it to you and believe that he will come to you. In fact, our word philosophy, it actually comes from a build of those words, getting wisdom. We're getting wisdom in our life. Proverbs 11:2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. The number one, the number one, we're way ahead here, guys. Just sit tight. We're way ahead. Uh, the number one blocker of wisdom in your life is pride. The number one block in your life is pride. Think about a teenager. Don't believe me? Have a teenager. They think they know it all. They will not listen to dad. They won't listen to mom. No matter how smart or how logical it may be, don't jump off the roof of the house into the pool. Not a good idea. Doesn't matter how much you say. Wisdom does not prevail in a young person's life, right? Because why? They're full of pride. They're full of arrogance. They believe they have the answers. They believe they know better. Dumb old dad. Dumb, tall socks, crock-wearing dad. Right? They don't know what he's talking about. Pride is the, is the thing that blocks wisdom from coming into our life. We must defeat pride by saying things like this. I don't know. Gentlemen, let's try that. Gentlemen, on the count of three, I don't know. One, two, three, I don't That was half of you. <laughs> Ladies, get your phones out and get them to record here. We're going to have them say it. Gentlemen, let's say it. Ready? One, two, three. I don't know. I don't know. So when that plumbing goes bad and you've never been a plumber in your life, You've never touched a, you don't even know what a rent, plumbing wrench is or what's it called? Uh, I don't even know what it's called. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a plumber. But you're like, YouTube shows me how to do it. And they fixed it in two minutes on YouTube, right? Just say, I don't know. I don't know how to fix that. Now, listen, that's not your excuse for everything. You do know how to run a vacuum. You do know how to take out the trash. You do know how to do those things. Uh, how about this one? I was wrong. Let's all say that together. I was wrong. Let's say that really loud. I was wrong. That's a hard one, man. I can say I don't know, but I was wrong. That was a little harder. A little stings a little bit more. We admit, we defeat pride by saying things like I don't know, I was wrong. Here's another one. I need help. I need help, right? Can you help me with this? Uh, here's a big one. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. These are things that defeat pride in our lives. How do we get wisdom? We admit we need wisdom. And then we start working through the, against the pride. Wisdom is the ability to make decisions the way God would make decisions. That's wisdom. Number two, the second, th second step is we ask for wisdom. We ask God for him. So we admit we need him. We humble ourselves. We get around, get around our pride. We humble ourselves. And then we ask God for wisdom. We we pray this prayer. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. He should ask God. Don't consult Dr. Phil or Oprah or any of the 
of the bloggers or vloggers. Don't consult Instagram or YouTube when you have problems. You go to God and you ask God for wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, it says this, It is the Lord who gives wisdom. From him comes knowledge and understanding. It is the Lord who gives wisdom. God gives freely to all those who ask. Don't believe me? I talked about this a few, few weeks ago. King Solomon, who we know now is the wisest man who ever lived, but he wasn't. God said, I'll give you one thing, and he, instead of asking for wealth and popularity and prestige and, and, and power and all these great things and accolades, he said, I just ask you for wisdom. And because of his wisdom, he gained prestige, popularity, power, and wealth because of his wisdom. So this is the challenge. All we have to do is ask. Ask God, and God will grant us wisdom. And when we ask, we do not doubt. James says, you have not because you ask not. You don't have it because you haven't asked. 22 times in the New Testament, the word ask is used, which speaks very specifically that we're to specifically ask God for things. We're specifically supposed to cry out to him and ask him for wisdom, ask him for direction, ask him to help our families be restored and find positiveness. Ask God and he will grant it to us. So we admit that we need wisdom. We ask God for wisdom, number two. Number three, step three, we anticipate that he will bring it to us. We anticipate he will bring it our way. It says this, says, when you pray, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. This means the key to the answer of your prayers is faith. Believing that when we ask, he will give in his time. For example, Peter, one of the disciples, was out on the boat one day with all the rest of the disciples, and a storm comes up and begins to throw the boat back and forth. And they look out on the water, and they think they see a ghost, but it's simply Jesus walking on the water to the boat. And Peter sees what's going down, and Peter has this, this enthusiasm in his heart. He wants to join Jesus by walking on the water. I love Peter. Peter was impetuous. He just kind of jumped out there. Hey, Jesus, can I, if it's you, can I come to you? And Jesus is like, sure. I love that. Come on. No big deal. Peter gets out of the boat, steps on the water, and begins walking on the water probably long before the knowledge kicked in. Right? Because when He's walking on the water initially. He's walking because the wisdom of Jesus was, come to me. Come on. And he trusted what Jesus said. But then human knowledge began to kick in. Wait a minute. This is impossible. There's no way anybody can walk on water. What am I doing out here? And what he do? It says the scripture. It says he got his eyes off of Jesus, and he started looking at the storm. He started looking at the water, and he began to sink. He began to go under. Why? Wisdom defeats, trumps knowledge every time. You may have knowledge of something, and God may be telling you to do something else, and you don't understand why, but I'm telling you right now, wisdom will always beat knowledge every single time. Knowledge is what we acquire in, men, in manly places. 
Wisdom is what's divine from God. And he says as he began to sink, he got his eyes off of Jesus and got it on the knowledge that this was physically impossible. The physics were not able to do this. And he began to sink. And Jesus went over and picked him up out of the water and rescued him. This is the challenge of our wisdom walk with God, how to make up our minds. Listen, sometimes it's hard to make up our minds because the thing that God is telling us to do doesn't make sense. But yet, if we've admitted we need wisdom, we've asked him for wisdom, and then he places it in us, we must then anticipate that God will come through. It says, he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. A lot of Christians, I see a lot of tossing, a lot of turning, a lot of questionable faith in their life. I see lots of Christians being thrown off kelter because of the world and the reality of how evil the heart of people really can be. I see people get caught up in debates and get caught up in, in uh, arguments about, about doing this or not doing that, about, about where this is or where that is, not having any knowledge or any wisdom of God whatsoever. I see lots of Christians tossed here and there in our world today. But then I also see lots of Christians who are just steady and stable and consistent in who they are. They don't vacillate. They don't move. The trends of the world can change, and yet they stay steady. In fact, you would say they're old-fashioned. Well, if they're basing their old-fashionedness on the wisdom of God and by the principles of God, they're called godly. And this is a concept that the world does not want us to hear. Culture wants to tell us it's okay to be culturally relevant. But I'm here to tell you, wisdom says if it leads us down a path of destruction, it's not culturally relevant, it's called sin. Y'all hearing me today? And this is the challenge of every Christian within, with making decisions. Should I or shouldn't I? Do I go? Don't I go? Do I participate in this behavior or don't I? Do I go to that party or don't I? Do I take on that lifestyle or don't I? What is it that I'm supposed to do? The problem is indecision. The prescription is admit you need wisdom. Ask for help and anticipate that God will bring it to you. And as a result, number three, the promise. What's the promise? The promise is when you've done those things, God will give it to you. God will do a supernatural gift given to you. It says this, if any man lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him or her. It will be given to you no matter what. Why? Understand this. God is a giver. God loves to give. For God so loved the world that what did he do? For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. What did he give? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God is a giver. God is a giver of life. God is a giver of eternal life. God is a giver. And here's the beautiful part. Here's the final three, three lines you got in your notes. Here's the beautiful part. God is a giver, and God gives continually. He continually gives over and over and over and over again, regardless of your background, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done. He gives continually over and over again because he loves you and he cares for you. Number two, he gives generously. He gives abundantly beyond what you can ask or think. 
If you need a little bit of wisdom, he'll give you a lot of wisdom, and he'll help you out, guide through down the road. And here's the beautiful part, last one. Not only continually, not only generously, but God gives without finding fault. Without finding any fault. Just pause for a moment. Think about that. God gives over and over again, generously, regardless of your background, regardless of your past, God will give wisdom to you today. More and more people in our world today are making foolish decisions, being tossed here and there by every silly, silly things that come out that's promoted. And the church is the only hope of the world, you and me. So if we are not getting wisdom from God, if we're not taking stands for God, countercultural, we'll find ourselves just going with the trend. Because the world is, it's not enough. They don't want you just to accept the way they're trying to promote or the lifestyle they're trying to push. They want you to applaud it. They want you to approve of them. But I'm here to tell you today, wisdom says, my word is true. And there's no way to vacillate from it. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Sin is sin and you cannot compromise. There's no such thing as halfway sin. It's all sin. And in our world today, what our world needs, let me just tell you what our world needs. Our world needs of people, God's people, to stand for truth, to stand for what is right, countercultural. See, you're either gonna live, live your life by chance or by choice. You're gonna be intentional or you're not. You're either gonna let your circumstances determine you're a victim or you're a victor. Which one are you? Are you a victim today or are you a victor? Are you taking victory out? Or are you just being victimized by the world? The quality of your life is determined by the decisions that you make right now. Decisions you make right now determine the quality of your life. Don't, don't underestimate this. Indecision every time will lead to instability in your life. Being decisive being wise in your decisions and standing firm, even when the world would come against you. A double-minded man, a double-minded person is unstable in all they do and have no power to speak truth into somebody's life. This is the wisdom that James gives us today. Be a, don't be a double-minded person. Be a decisive person that walks in wisdom with God. Bow your heads with me today. Father, help us today. Help us to know that today we live in a world where culture is trying to tell us right and wrong instead of your word, God. Help us today to know that you want us to have wisdom, decisiveness, to make decisions and not be unstable and waffling and struggling in where we stand. But God, that means today you're gonna call people to a place of commitment, to a place to have courageous, to be courageous. Because God, when we step out 
And when we make decisions that are counter-cultural, against the culture that we have, when we make those decisions, God, it's then the heat is on. It's then that we begin to really feel the heat and the weight of the decisions that we made. But God, if we know it's you, if we hold the standard high and we do not fluctuate, we do not vary, we do not move or be blown here and there like on the sea, God, are tossed here and there, but we hold ourselves stable. We keep our eyes upon you, Jesus. We keep our eyes upon your provision. We keep our eyes upon you're our protection. You're our hope. You're the one who carries us through. No matter how rough life may seem, no matter how much pressure is on us to compromise, we stand for truth. We stand for righteousness. We stand, God, in the face of adversity. When the world says, this is right and this is okay, but it goes against your word, God, we stand in wisdom. We stand, as James says, courageously through the persecution, through the suffering, because we know that, God, you as we keep our eyes upon you, you will always carry us through. You always provide a way. You always make a way. With every head bowed and eyes closed today, you have a decision to make. Maybe a major decision you got to make. Some of this pressing on you. And maybe you've been struggling with that decision because your emotions are high or the relationships are tough. Or maybe it's a, it's a job situation or financial situation, whatever it is. You've been living in this place of indecision. I'm here to tell you today, admit you need God. Ask him, ask him for wisdom. And then realize and recognize he will give it to you. You anticipate that coming your way. With head bowed, eyes closed, if you have a decision to make, just right there where you're at, would you just pray, Father God, help us to be people of decision, decisiveness. Let us not fluctuate because that brings instability brings unsuredness into people's lives. But let us know, God, direct our steps and let us know this is God's wisdom for this situation. With our kids, with our families, God, with our workplaces, uh, Lord, with our relationships around us, whatever it is, help us to walk in the wisdom that James encourages us with today. That we are to ask and do not doubt and you provide always a way. You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com.